0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today I'm going to talk about opportunities and opportunity costs. We had a great opportunity in the podcast app world uh, a couple of weeks ago because for some reason Apple Podcasts was crashing for a lot of people that day. My guess is it was some kind of like server response that contained an invalid JSON value or something like that, like some value where like the app decoded it and immediately crashed. But whatever it was, the Apple Podcast app was crashing for tons of people on a particular day. And I started hearing about this in my Twitter feed, and I thought this is an opportunity. And when you you know when you're in India, you gotta think about you got you gotta kind of think on your feet like this. Like when when something happens, there's an opportunity for oh, this might be a really good day for my app for some reason, whether, you know, maybe somebody wrote about you or linked to you, or maybe there's something like this that happens in the market, where, like, wait a minute, if the Apple Podcast app is crashing for lots of people today, a lot more people than usual are going to be looking for another podcast app. And so I thought... What a great time to go increase all of my search ads bids for the day. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> so I, Genius. I went, went to Apple Podcasts or I went to the Apple Search Ads interface. Incre- I just I just doubled all my bids for that day. Like mean, you know, you know this is this is a great opportunity. I'm going to get lots lots of new installs today. Yeah. And I want to compete even better than usual against my competitors. And I I kind of watched everything roll in over the day and the search ads actually didn't end up costing me that much. Like, I don't, I, I get something like five percent of my installs from search ads. It's not a big number to the point where it's almost not worth running them. Uh, but that day, I did see a something like three hundred percent increase in total downloads compared to the average day for like you know the weeks beforehand. It was Great. a huge spike in downloads that day, and. And unfortunately, Apple fixed their podcast app the sure. next day, but, but I had one really awesome day. <laughs> you, can, you can only hope that will last for so, just so, so long. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, it's the kind of thing, again, like I, I feel like as indies, we should watch out for that kind of opportunity because, you know, it doesn't come along often and and, and there's a lot to be said for like paying attention to the you know sources that might tell you when, when something like this happens and being ready for that, whatever that, whatever it means to be ready for you. And, and that could mean a lot of different things for a lot of different apps. But for the rest of this episode, I want to talk about uh, something I've been doing wrong that has cost me a lot of, not big opportunities, but potentially hundreds of small ones each day. Overcast is no longer compatible with iOS 12. And when I first made this decision, when I talked on the show about it, um, there were a number of factors that led to me dropping support for 12 fairly soon uh, after 13 came out. I think it was a couple of weeks after it came out. and Part of it was, I've always espoused on this show and my other shows, I've always espoused like, just if you're an in indie, just go for the latest OS and drop support for the other ones very quickly because you know pe- most people will go along with you and it, it reduces your testing workload and you can use all the new APIs immediately and everything like that. And th- this time it backfired on me. This time it's hurting in a way that either it hasn't hurt before or I haven't been noticing before. To give you some idea, um, about 15% of my users are still on iOS 12, and that wouldn't be so bad, but that also means that new customers who are, who are looking for a podcast app, are, if they're still on iOS 12, I'm not getting those downloads. I'm not even getting presented to those people as an option. Um, and my number of new downloads has dropped significantly since iOS 13 was released, And it's hard to attribute that entirely to not being compatible with 12 uh, because also in 13, like, you know, I'm sure the app store changed, you know, searches, search algorithms change. Maybe my competitors are doing better against me than they were before in various ways, like, you know, reviews or search ad bids or whatever. Um, So there's, there's lots of factors that's hard to control for this. But certainly I know that there's a lot of people out there who are looking for a new podcast app on iOS 12 and I no longer show up for those people and I'm also seeing other factors like I'm getting emails every day a pretty good number of them now from people saying hey I'm, I'm still running 12 I uh, tried to re-download overcast and it's gone what happened uh, or why is overcast suddenly gone from the app store or <laughs> a new one to me uh, my test flight build for iOS 12 like the last compatible test flight build just expired a few days ago, and oh, so gosh. I'm getting tons of emails from people who and I didn't even consider this. Tons of emails from people who had the test flight build uh, and that expired, and they can't install the new ones. It requires 13. And the what happens for this is they uh, launch the expired app and it just crashes on launch. Sure. And if they go to test flight, it won't let them do anything. And if they go to the app store, it won't let them do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually terrible. Uh, and, and this is again like I, I never really saw this before because I always ran much smaller betas in, in previous years. Uh, but you know, my new my current beta is like thousands of people. So what I'm seeing stats wise, again, I, I have about 15% today on iOS 12. And if I look back about a month ago, a month ago it was 18%. That's not dropping very quickly. Also, a month ago, of that eighteen percent that are still on twelve, about seven or eight percent of it were on devices that can't run thirteen, like i like the iPhone six. Yeah. Um, and today, that seven or eight percent is six to seven percent. So it's you know we had this fall season of a bunch of new devices being released, and these aren't being replaced that quickly. And, you know, you can look back and you can say, well, you know, fall's kind of over, you know, new devices, the new phones are all out and everything. So people kind of haven't updated that quickly. You can also look forward and say, well, the holidays are upon us now. And so maybe, maybe the, you know, a lot of people will get new phones for the holidays, although that's kind of expensive for a for most people. But, you know, but new phones for the holidays, maybe that'll, you know, boost things uh, there. But either way, uh, that's. That's only, you know, about half the people who are sticking on 12 so far who who can't run 13. The other half are people who just haven't installed 13 yet. And I think a lot of that is because 13 has a uh, well-earned reputation of being buggy. And this is kind of this like this unexpected cost to a buggy release cycle that the public hears about that. And the public knows the public is not stupid. They hear 13 is buggy and they don't install it. And so there's a there's a lot of people out there who are just going to stick on 12 for a long time, and I think combined with the bugginess of 13, the fact that 12 was the first iOS update to drop support for old hardware in two years. Usually it's one year, and this was a two year span. So they like they like dropped two years worth of <laughs> worth of hardware instead of one. So there's dropped devices for the first time in two years. It and in that two years the devices have continued to get more expensive and to have longer, useful lifetimes where people are keeping their phones longer because they're so expensive to replace and everything. So the reality, I think, that that I'm facing here is that dropping iOS 12 so aggressively after 13 came out was way more costly to me than I expected and, and than I would ever have predicted. And I probably should have predicted it, but you know, the fact is I didn't. Um, and it, this was also different from my previous experience because Overcast is a wider appeal app than Instapaper or the magazine or anything else I ever made. Um, it's also bigger than those apps. like It has a bigger install base. And it's a different market because it's a free upfront app. And, and most users use it the freeway. And so that, I think, also lets me serve a much wider audience. And as the audience gets wider, I get fewer, you know, a lower percentage of, like, early adopters. And so f- more and more people are sticking on the old OS for longer. And so what I have now is this combination of factors that basically means that dropping iOS 12 was probably... I probably did it too aggressively. I if I if If I care about market share which is also new i didn't care about market share from my previous apps if i care about market share which i do and it's a free app which gets a lot more people in i don't think i can aggressively drop the old os anymore and this is compounded by additional factors ios 12 so one of the one of the reasons why i dropped it is that i knew that there was this mechanic that that you can you can mark versions as like this version is okay for pe- for people to redownload in the past and by default all versions are marked that way and i knew that there was this mechanic that people could just install the last ios 12 compatible version of overcast while i continued to make a 13 only version ahead of it but that mechanic does not work as well as i thought it would the critical downside of that mechanic is that it only works for people who have downloaded your app before not new customers so if somebody on a 12 device searches for overcast today that's not compatible with uh overcast doesn't even show up in the search results it's not like it shows up and it lets them download the last compatible 12 version that's how i thought it would work nope it's gone it's as if it doesn't exist it's that's why i'm getting emails from people saying well, why did you pull overcast off the app store because because if you're running 12 that's how it looks it's just gone the only way you, even people who have it, are having trouble finding it because the only way you can re-download it is to go to your profile, the little head in the corner, which no one even knows you can tap. Yeah. Then go to the purchased section, find it there, and hit the cloud to download it there. And even that, I'm hearing reports that even that doesn't work correctly in earlier versions of twelve, like twelve point one. That's it. Like it works in twelve point four, but not twelve point one. And if you have a twelve point one device and you go to software update today. It's going to upgrade you to thirteen, not twelve point four. So, like, if you're holding on to twelve, it's it's this whole mess. It's a total mess, and so uh, it, this has ended up costing me way more than I thought it would cost me to go to thirteen because the experience on twelve is way worse than I expected for people who who don't have it yet, and even for those who do.
1: Yeah, it's and it's it's such a. I feel like like I mean it's a, it's just, it's just, in some ways it's it's not surprising. It's like it's it's this thing we have to navigate every single year. Like every summer we have a decision to make or how aggressively are we going to adopt whatever the new thing is. And there's this calculus between how many people do we think will get the new thing quickly? How many people are going to be stuck stuck on older versions? What are the things in the new iOS that will kind of require us to move forward like you know there are certain things that like if it requires a very structural change in our application to adopt the new operating system then it becomes increasingly difficult to have backwards compatibility or sometimes we have ones where there's really no there's there's no structural change there's no reason to drop support other than just like simplicity but it's not like a technical reason but this year, I think, was definitely a a, a tricky one. And I, the funny thing is, I think I remember when you and I were talking about this on the show. I think you I came to like an inch close to um, following you down the path of adopting iOS thirteen soon. Um, but I think I ended up just almost out of laziness. I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with that because, like, when I when I did that, I got a few deprecation warnings, and then I was like, oh, I don't want to clean those up. I'll just keep twelve <laughs> in there. Turns out, apparently, that was a good. That was that laziness was uh, well founded. Um, but it is such a, a tricky thing. And I mean, my numbers are even worse for you. Um, I was pulling them um, about kind of where iOS 12 is like. For me, iOS 13 is only about 68% um, of my um, users on Pedometer, which is my biggest app at this point. Um, and it and of, of that, 16% of those people are running devices that won't get um, oh, no. <laughs> I- I- iOS 13 ever. And like so, the the absolute best I c- could get to, um,
0: is starting to get to like you know in the in the low eighties maybe
1: of percent. Right,
0: and even that's probably unrealistic. Like until those devices are no longer used, that's that's even. That, I think that's unrealistic. I, I think you're looking at seventy five percent at most for a while.
1: Yeah, and, and and especially I think I was thinking too, like those, especially like the five S's. I think will start to like. End of life themselves. Um, they will reach the end of their
0: their useful life. <laughs> that's a great euphemism.
1: Yeah, like they're they're gonna st- they're, they're just it's a really that's a really old. I mean that app is as old as Pedometer++ Plus is at this point because I launched the app like the day the iPhone 5s launched basically. Um, but the six and but the six and six plus I think is interesting because I think they were part of the battery repl- replacement program if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So like a whole bunch of them just got brand new batteries. Um, and like, I feel like those six, the six and six plus is going to be around. And for me, like the six, especially is a pretty, is that, is the, this is the third most popular phone, um, across all of my users. Wow. It accounts for 9% of my users like that, but just that one, the iPhone six. Um, and so like that, they're like, it's very going to take a very long time for them to go away. I think, like, and and in many ways, like, that's like, that, that's not necessarily a problem. And like, but it's 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 a weird thing that I feel like next year with whatever iOS fourteen comes out, I still may need to be uh, you know supporting I, um, iOS twelve because like that, like, even if that number gets down a little bit, if you know, if it's like maybe it's five percent of my users are running iPhone sixes, like, it gets really tricky to want to just not. Um, not support them at all. And I mean, some of my other apps are, are in a much better position. Like uh, like Sleepless plus has ninety percent of its users um, on I- iOS thirteen, um which I think is largely because it requires an uh, an Apple watch. And I feel like there's a like a correlation between the person who has the Apple watch and the person who is has a newish phone and is updating to iOS thirteen uh, more quickly. Um, but you know, it's for certainly for, for pedometer plus plus, I feel like I'm kind of in a similar spot to you where it's like, it's uh, 12 is probably going to be part of my life
0: for a very long time. We are brought to you this week by Linode. With Linode you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. You can get a server running in just seconds second with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serves their customers with the help of 10 data centers around the globe. Uh, they recently added Toronto, Canada, and I believe they're about to add, or just did add, Mumbai, India. And there's a whole bunch more to choose from. You can place these anywhere. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network behind it all. Intel Xeon E5 processors, so this is top-of-the-line hardware, top-of-the-line network, and you can serve your customers even faster than before. And so you don't have to stress about overspending, Linode has designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services, such as backups and node balancers. And i got to say, I've been using Linode myself for almost a decade now, and they are just fantastic. They're a great host. I, they've been a fantastic value. The entire time I've been with them, they are, they've are they been the best value in the business. They, they're constantly upgrading things whenever technology allows them to and giving you more for your money. It's fantastic. They're also hiring. So if you want to learn more and see what they're looking for, go to linode.com slash careers. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Plans start at one gig of RAM in your server for just $5 a month. And they have lots of plans above that, including high memory plans, depending on what your needs might be. And they have a special offer for our listeners. You can go to linode.com slash radar and use promo code radar 2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. That could be four months free on that one gig plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today at linode.com slash radar, promo code radar2019, learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So if I do go back to 12, you know, what's it, what's it going to cost me? You know, the the iOS 13 API changes, like you mentioned a few minutes ago, like, you know, there's new APIs, some of which you have to, like, basically break all your previous app to to implement or to implement something that will only work on 13. I thought those API changes were going to be more appealing than they have ended up being so far. And I thought I would adopt them more quickly than I have so far. And in practice, there's been a number of changes, like the new background tasks API, is a good example. I adopted that, and because it's better in a few ways. Uh, and it's actually been worse because it seems to be buggy still. And I'm hearing lots of reports from people who basically it's just never calling the background tasks anymore. And, and so it's like, I've actually kind of you know, regressed by moving to, to that API. And if I, go, if I you know, reinstate 12 compatibility, I will have to go back to the old API for background tasks. But that actually might not be that bad. Um, I also thought, you know, I, I, I thought I'd be using things like Swift UI. Uh, and I, you can't use SwiftUI on twelve, um, so I would have to not do that. But I haven't even started that yet, and it turns out SwiftUI is still extremely young, and I'm I'm probably not going to adopt it for another year or two. Uh, so that I I feel like has kind of gone away as well. Uh, there's you know a bunch of new small APIs that I don't use yet but that I would like the option to use. So things like the new collection view layout that makes certain things easier. Like There's all sorts of stuff like that. And if I remain compatible with 12 for a while longer, like maybe this whole year, I can't use those yet. Uh, but again, I, I haven't used those yet. So uh, and, and I have a lot to do in the app that people are asking for or that I want to do uh, that doesn't require all that stuff. I also would have to go back and basically backport some of my UI changes or undo some of my UI changes. Like I, I did the uh, segmented control change on my podcast screen, uh, and I'll have to either re-implement the old one for twelve or figure out a way to make that look okay on twelve. Um, I have to, you know, redo or undo my dark mode logic to unsimplify what I did with thirteen, or you know, remove it's, you know, so dark mode becomes more complicated. Um, I won't be able to adopt the uh, the new shortcuts yet in quite the same way, but. I haven't yet anyway, and honestly, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. Not a lot of people are asking for it, and working on shortcuts is about as soul-crushing as working on the Apple Watch for me, so I might just delay that for another year. Um, The big thing is that I'm working on this AirPlay 2 audio engine, and it depends on a bug that was fixed in 13.1, so my AirPlay 2 engine will not work before 13.1. That's kind of okay, though, because it's also having some drawbacks in testing so far and the api is not available on the apple watch so i would like to write a new engine that works on 12 13 and the apple watch and then dynamically switch to the airplay 2 engine only when it's sending to airplay speakers uh that's more complicated but i'm kind of leaning in that direction otherwise anyway so it's you know it's like it's less of an issue right um and then the bigger thing is that when I'm, if I'm going to re-add support for twelve, it's going to result in just more development for a market that is shrinking. Like the, the, the number of people who use iOS twelve is going down over time, not up. And so, like logically, and if I think like from like a business perspective, from a small business perspective, and and you, we we talked about this before. Like it makes a lot more sense to invest in, you know, if you have limited time, obviously, to invest in areas where you are they're like growth areas like to not put a lot of effort into dying businesses or shrinking markets right uh, but in this case the market's really big you know if, if it really is like 25% of new customers or something like that uh, you know I'm, I'm feeling that that's costing me and it doesn't seem like it's shrinking that much and so what it really comes down to is not that I shouldn't invest in this but that I should invest in it if it's not going to take a whole lot to make it worth readdressing twenty five percent of the market that I'm currently missing, uh, you know that and that's a very different calculus. It's going to result in a higher testing workload. It's going to result in uh, bugs that will only occur on twelve that I will need to you know f- figure out and fix and support. Uh, but and, you know I don't have to I'll have to keep my testing devices. I have to keep a couple of them on twelve, which I already I already have a couple. So I have a, I have a, an SE and a seven that I have on twelve, so that should be okay. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it, it feels kind of gross. It, it's not very fun. It doesn't, like, this isn't a good thing, and every single conditional check in the code is technical debt that I'll have to, you know, it's, it's adding complexity. It's adding new test cases that I'll have to check over time and deal with, you know, deal with forever until I can remove them. And that's not fun either. But I think... The costs are lower than I expected them to be because I'm not adopting all these new APIs yet and have no immediate plans to do so. So like the costs of keeping 12 compatibility are lower than I thought they would be. Whereas the costs of not having 12 compatibility have proven way higher than I thought they would be. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like there's two
1: ways that I've dealt with like dual compatibility uh, or I guess like dual operating systems in the past. Um, There's the version, which I think is the more like the traditional version, which is the, you try and essentially move the app forward so that it is equivalent on both platforms. Um, You know, like when you're talking about like, well, if if in 13 a UI control has a new API that needs to be adjusted and the old one it doesn't, you kind of, you end up having two versions of that, um, or one version that's like has lots of if checks, and you're trying to kind of keep the two in sync. And even just from a features perspective, that if, if you want to add a feature, you kind of have to you add it to both um, in a, as as far as you you can. Um, the other version that I've done, and this is something that I think it's, it's trickier on iOS potentially, but on uh, WatchOS, it is something that I have found almost essential um, to do. There is you can I've sometimes also gone taken the route where I. Essentially, ship two versions of the app inside of the app, and based on what you what version you are at launch, um, it'll run into sort of run into one or the other. And on the Apple Watch, this is something that's kind of is more is more something that I've had to do because. Of the way that you have to define the entire UI structure in a storyboard ahead of time, um, and so it gets really tricky if you want to like chain if you want to add one of the new controls into a thing. Well, then you can't use that scene anymore in um, anything that deals with the old thing because it can't launch that particular scene in the storyboard. And so you end up with like, well, then I have to duplicate it and have one that's the old one and one that's a new one. And at a certain point, I just decided, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like just completely forth, and I just have, like, two different trees in the storyboard that are completely separate from each other, and that ended up working out um, surprisingly well. And, but the tricky thing with that approach is then it means that, like, you have this thing where, from a support perspective, you'll have, like, you'll mention a feature in a screenshot or on a on your website, and if you're running the old version, it just doesn't exist, um, which may happen anyway. Like, some features just aren't possible, but I feel like there's this interesting... there's. An interesting tension or opportunity there too, because I feel like for the situation you find yourself in, it's almost like what is the minimum amount of work that you could do to just enable it to w- run on iOS 12, like the absolute minimum. Like if you just change your build target down to 12, launch it on a 12 target on a 12 phone. Like, what are the things that would be horribly broken or crash or like, obviously there's, you know, there's a few of the like things that Xcode is very helpful with where it says like, you're calling an API that doesn't exist. So you need to wrap those. Um, but for the most part, like if you, there's this minimum set and in some cases it might mean that like the 12 experience isn't quite as good as the iOS 13 experience. I wonder if that might be an, a, a reasonable approach for you to take here that rather than necessarily trying to build like make the build up the 12 experience put a lot of time energy and effort into making the 12 experience really really good it's like making the 12 experience reasonable and then being able to continue, you sort of go back to focusing on uh, thirteen. Once you've almost checked the box of twelve, you're in there. I mean, you show up in the you know you show up in the app store again, and all of the kind of the positive things there. But rather than necessarily viewing, like needing to necessarily go back and backport everything back in there, like just viewing it as it's a compatibility thing rather than a um, like it's a, a platform that you're developing for in that way, which I don't know if that's I mean, like, sometimes I feel like I'm overly pragmatic with this kind of stuff, um, which is, but it's something to think about maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a very good point, but like, honestly, I, I think my app has diverged from 12 compatibility way less than, than you might think. Like, I don't think it's going to take a lot. I haven't started this yet. I, I was thinking about doing it over the break, maybe. But um, I, the reason I made it 13 compatible was for my own convenience to avoid a whole bunch of, like, you know, checks on, you know, it's, it's basically to adopt 13's changes as quickly as possible and avoid a lot of, like, you know, if available checks and yeah. and, you know, double implementations of things. But... The reality is, like, they just haven't proven to be that necessary. Like all, all the new APIs, I, again, I really thought I'd be using SwiftUI already. I thought I'd be redesigning my root screen to use the new Collection View already, and I just haven't done that yet. And there's a lot of other stuff that's more important that people are asking me to do that, or that I want to do, um, that is potentially a year of work, or at least like six months of work. And it's like I can, if I can spend a day making my app compatible with 12 again, which is which might be all it takes. Sure. Then that's going to be really worth it. Now, if it's going to take a month, that might not be worth it anymore, (laughs) right? But but you know, I don't think it's going to actually be that much effort. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's made to the point is it's like if it takes a day,
1: it's a no brainer. Like if if that's all it is that you can just like do a few if if checks and go back and forth, and then it's like as it scales up from there, it just the strategy and approach you take may start to diverge, or or like you have different feature sets or different things, right? um, But that like this feature just doesn't work great on like it's going to be a mountain of work to get this f- new feature that you did on, or, you know, in 13 to work on 12. It's like, okay, well I just won't. But yeah. And it's like, as long as it's not then sort of handcuffing you for the future where there's like, uh, you know, issues or problems with your third that you would love to address in the 13 version, but would be really awkward or cumbersome to do in a 12 compatible way. Like that would I'd start to get nervous about like you know oh I like I need to rearchitect with the collection view stuff and take advantage of the new diffi- you know the new diffable data source and stuff and like I'd love to be able to do that but I can't and I just kind of, so it means that like the, but like until when is is the thing that always kind of sticks in my head like is that going to when are we going to be able to drop twelve and it's like is it next fall is it the following fall
0: yeah that's a good question. <laughs>
1: at least I feel good that 12 was a reasonable start, like it was a reasonable OS, like of all the versions to kind of be stuck on potentially. Um, But
0: that's definitely a tricky, it's a a tricky calculus going forward for sure. Yeah, I mean, I just think back to like all the years that I've been saying, yeah, just drop it on day one, you can use all the new stuff. And everyone write in saying like, man, I wish I could, but I work for this big company and they require us to keep compatibility. Now I'm like, oh, crap, I've, I've become that company. <laughs> You've become that person who does the if checks in your own code. <laughs> because I'm telling myself I have to keep compatibility for my own business reasons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you in two weeks. Bye.